Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't get away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, a plastic spork with pipe cleaners for arms, it's Arturo Zurita. How you doing, Zach? How's your week? Uh, it's not too bad. I think I'm maybe coming down with a little bit of a cold. My throat's feeling that... That scratchiness, I guess, you know. Well, you better you better clear up because when I go to New York, yeah, I'm not going to get sick the first week I'm there. I'm, first day I'm, I'm there. I'm getting sick now so that I won't <laughs> so get sick when So that when you get there, here. you're good. Um, no, let, yeah, let's talk about that plastic spork, shall we? Forky? I've oh, had my yeah, mans. We, we both got Woody on our set. My mans has been here. He's been waiting. Yeah. Um, yo, I got the hat. Let me get the hat. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on the spork thing? Because I already, I'm already hearing theories about the spork i mean i'm not i haven't delved into any of the theories or anything like that for me i found the teaser itself to be a little bit underwhelming but that being said like it's a it's teaser, a teaser trailer so, you don't necessarily yeah. want like a whole lot revealed to you in a teaser trailer i like how we went that- from woody to red dead <laughs> back to woody <laughs> this was i don't know where i got this from this is like part of the official set was it? Yeah, it's like part of the official set. I messed up oh, what I messed up the thing that's supposed to go like around it, but this is an actual Woody merchandise by Disney that came yeah. with the official costume. Do you um, notice my shirt, by the way? I don't usually like to call attention to my shirts, but Hey! That's yeah. nice. Wait, wait, I can't pretty... see. Is that Westworld? No no, it's a uh Woody Red, Red Dead, Dead Redemption. Oh, okay, crossover. I, I just saw a little bit of his beard and for a second I thought I was like, wait a minute, is he a robot? That's dope. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, very uh, on topic, I think, yes, sir. for this week. Anyway, uh, so speaking of the trailer, like, you know, I was a little underwhelmed at first, obviously, because it's just a teaser. It's not really showing you a lot. Also, it's kind of a jarring visual. Uh, I think a lot of people have been talking about the the fact that unlike basically every Pix- uh, Tory Story character ever, this isn't like a toy. This is... Like an object that was created, it you because can see Zach, the difference in it. What is the difference between a manufactured toy that's sold by the millions, and then a spork that you give life to? Right. It's what is just, Woody? Is Woody just not frames on a screen? It's just what you put your imagination into, what, bro. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what it's proving. But it, I, did you not feel like there's a big kind of visual difference, like? It it almost looks like he's a character from a different universe, which oh, makes I get what you're saying. Little, I get what you're like, saying. Jarring. I think. Yeah, I think it's the way it was animated. Yeah, yeah. which no, I could feel be interesting, saying. but I'm I'm kind of I'm still curious. I did not feel a need to revisit the Toy Story universe after the beauty ending of perfectly. Toy Story three. Uh, got very dusty in the theater for me, obviously. Then, but mm-hmm. uh, I usually trust Pixar with this stuff. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, that's still uh, an entire almost half a year away. Yeah, yeah. No time soon. Yeah. In a little bit, we are going to talk about a new, new Star Wars TV show, as well as Christmas on Netflix and Boyfriend Venom. But first, we're going to start this week the way we start every week here on the Intercut Podcast with what we're watching. What you been watching, Art? Zach, have you heard of a show called Forever on Amazon? It was recommended to me last week, and I was like, man, that sounds really good. Just don't 
get into spoilers. I really don't want to hear any spoilers. Oh, I'm sure it. you don't want to hear any spoilers. But for those of you who missed last week, uh, <laughs> there's a show on Amazon Prime called uh, Forever. Now, I was watching the Romanoffs, which I thought was was cool. Okay, have you caught up on that at all? I've seen the first two. Uh, okay. So, like, it's, you know... <laughs> Bro, the first one's racist as hell. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is, it's just a wrong episode overall. I'm, like, an hour into it. No character has learned their lesson. It's a it's a tough series to kind of get into. Uh-huh. There's definitely interesting things going on. It's I think a lot of the conversations are really well written. But, yeah, I'm not necessarily fully in on Romanoffs yet. I'm gonna yeah. it feels a little like homework still, but I'm gonna give uh-huh. it a go. So I'm just gonna keep it all centered on Amazon Prime shows because that's pretty much what I was binging. That was one and I'm only like an hour into it. I was reading up on the other stuff and I was like, what's the anthology series from the guy who made Mad Men and right? Every single episode is from a they're all all the characters are part of or are connected to the same bloodline. The Romanoffs. Yeah, it's a really incredible idea for an anthology series. I don't necessarily know if it's an incredible, like, concept to put into production for an anthology series in that everybody in who the show is centered on uh, either thinks they are or they actually are connected to the Russian royalty Romanov bloodline. Mm -hmm. So my biggest fear of that is, like, that sounds really dope that they could all be connected. I don't give a damn about the old lady in the first one. Yeah. Right. And then I'm reading up a bit and like the first thing that pops up is uh, supposedly episode five is a counterattack on the Me Too movement. I haven't heard that. A piano teacher gets accused of something and then it turns out that I don't know if they ever answered or not. And the whole episode is is kind of saying that the, the worst thing you can do to a human is to falsely accuse them. The worst thing. You know, there's nothing worse than, I don't yeah, know, maybe the accusation being. So I'm hearing this, and then I I, I, I read a little bit past the article. Yeah, yeah you want to know who's a part of the Me Too movement uh, accusations? Uh, that would be Weiner. Matt Weiner. Yeah. Oh, is that how you say it? Weiner? Okay, well, I was just thinking Weiner, because that's exactly what he's accused of. Um, and supposedly he doesn't handle it so well. Now, again, I'm in yeah. the first episode, but it's kind of interesting uh, that he kind of went for the hunt. Great movie, yeah. highly recommend it, but it turns out he missed a little bit, but that's a series on Amazon, and it, it's interesting the way they're releasing it, too. It's not just a binge, it's weekly? Yeah, weekly, I think they're putting out a new one. Something like um, that. Something like that. Yeah. And each one is the length of a feature film, so it, it's a big watch. Yes, it is. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the Romanoffs. If y'all have got a little bit forward ahead, if, what do you think about that Me Too movement yeah. episode? Let me know. <laughs> yeah, uh, let us know if we should keep let watching. Us know. I'm going to try and keep watching. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Maisel, I, I went to go back to watch. It turns out I had only seen five episodes. Oh, and there's, I believe, six in the first season or eight? I don't know. I had just missed them. I said, continue watching. I said, okay. Like, I sparsely go on Amazon Prime. So when I went back, I was like, what? I still got some. I thought it was season two. Season two doesn't come out until December. So I was like, I guess I got yeah. I got a few more uh, moments with Mrs. Maisel. Um, but yeah, forever. I would have not even found it. Amazon, if y'all think Netflix's homepage, that things get lost. No, you can at least still find shirkers. On the Netflix homepage by accident. You know what I mean? Right, right. You, Dark still appears uh, on the Netflix homepage. Bro, you cannot find anything unless it's nominated for an Emmy on Amazon. They don't. They will not tell you anything. It, literally, the first line is Emmy nominated. Right. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> they, I have like four or five categories and like 
it feels like whatever new movie released this weekend it comes up in every single one of those categories. Yes. There, there's not a lot of variety. There's not a lot of quirky categories the way that Netflix has. It's really hard to find stuff on I'm Amazon. not going to watch Bosch. Stop recommending yes. me Bosch. Please stop recommending me Bosch. <laughs> so, like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm looking through some of the stuff there. Not exactly sure what to watch. I remember you had recommended Forever. So I go and I pop this bad boy on. Man, the episode was so good. It was like, it was like deja vu. I almost felt like I knew how the episode was going to end. And it intrigued me to watch episode two. And I was like, man, this is really intriguing me to see how episode two is going to end. Uh, also, so without spoiling too much, it's a couple that made a promise together forever. You could explain a bit yeah, more. Yeah, they're, they're married. It's Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen. So two SNL veterans. And this is also coming from great. the uh, writer of Master of None, Alan Yang, who co-wrote the series with Aziz Ansari. So... It's got a little bit of that Master of None. It does. Sort of like contemplative, like, let's have a conversation and hey, get to the bottom of this. Tell me the character that that, uh, that does security who is smoking with his friend. Didn't remind you of Aziz. <laughs> Yo, that's Aniz. That's Aziz's cousin or brother? That's an Ansari. There's an Ansari in that show. So, it, so it I'm not feel... stereotyping. <laughs> no, legit, I was hearing it and I was just like, it's the same inflections Aziz, uh, Aziz does. And I was like, yeah. okay. Well, um, you know. Well, so, yeah, but like, so it's got that kind of Master of None vibe, but whereas Master of None is very much kind of like a show about contemporary living, this is a little bit more that like about what is marriage and how does marriage affect you in the long run? what is the what is the long run? What is the meaning of I I will be with you forever. Ever. Really mean mm-hmm. uh, in the context of forever. If you like Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen, this is a, a definitely a good, so, although somewhat more serious turn for them. It's a not a drama, but they're not like hilarious big characters the way that these two normally are. I think when they show up in comedies, because mm-hmm. it's a good show. But what makes it are the little conversations and those just there's just they do one thing each episode that just gets me right. So they'll mm-hmm. have like a conversation about. You got 30 minutes. What are you going to do with 30 minutes? Oh, well, we'll get a massage. No, what if it's a bad masseuse? Oh, well, we'll run a bath. No, by that time, you're not going to have, you know, by the time the bath fills up. No. Like, dumb conversations like that that really make you feel like you know these characters. There's another right. Amazon show, my final one to wrap it up, that does it way better. But uh, it was stuff like that. And then the lore of it, episode four where they show you something about touching someone's neck and what that does. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. It gets to some pretty interesting stuff. Cool stuff dealing with lore. Uh, I'll just keep it at that. But, yo, I think it's episode five or six. Six with Jason Mitchell and Hong Chow. It's maybe one of the best episodes of TV all year. Uh, it's, it's and it just comes Not- out of nowhere, kind of. I looked back and I said, what am I watching? Yeah. This is the same episode. Until I started looking at the house, I was like, okay, that episode comes out of nowhere. I love and hate that episode at the same time. You know what I mean? Because I yes. was like, damn, that was a good episode. No, 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 wait. I don't agree with anything that they did in that episode. <laughs> I, I feel like if this was a more popular show, that would be a great LME episode. Like That episode of- makes me want to make, like, first of all, what happens in the first two episodes is enough of a pitch for a title. Right. right? Is enough to, for like, this happens, let me explain. <laughs> but that alone, like, yeah, there is, that was a damn good episode. I was surprised. 
Cool. I'll, so I'm very glad you got that far in forever yeah. because I don't know if it's one of my favorite shows of the year, but it is one of the shows that I've been thinking about a lot. And like, mm. it definitely gave me a lot to think over. I thought it, the questions that it ponders are really interesting. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I love the way the show ends, but I really enjoyed the journey of it. Yep. It's, I, I want to say it's Amazon's version of Easy, kind of. Right. A bit. I, uh, last week I compared it to The Good Place, but written by the master of the Oh, guys. okay, yeah. I only know bits of The Good Place, but I'll, I'll agree yeah. with you on that. But uh, you know what the best show on Amazon Prime is, right? Are, I mean, are we? have we talked about it already? Or? I think we mentioned it last week. Homecoming. Bro, I finished, this is the best Yo. show. This is the best show on Amazon Prime is not playing anymore. They said, all right, y'all ain't going to watch yeah, Mozart they're, they're in the Dark? Really okay, right let's, let's bring in the podcast shows. I'm very curious to see what they did with lore. This thing is insane. Yeah. I finished it. Those aspect ratios? Yeah. It, it's really cool. It Xavier really Dolan throws you wants off. A, Xavier Dolan wants his cut of the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, um, I mean, Julia Roberts is the star of this. I think it's the first TV project for her, and... It's kind of an amazing role for her. She's kind yes. of an actress who I think has sort of been wandering in through movies, not really finding a great I checked role. Her I, I checked her IMBD. Mother's Day. Right. Like, what's been the last Julia Roberts, like, good role? Maybe all of them. Oceans or something? Not even. They were, tr like, I'm looking at this. I was like, man, she was chasing the, the bag for a little bit. She wasn't trying. Yeah, she wasn't yeah. trying. And now with this, um, I don't like Ben is back, but at least with Ben is back. She's in Oscar conversations. Julia's back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's back. But dude, this show, I'm watching it and I'm like, all right, it's cool. It's dope. I trust Sammy. Take me wherever you're taking it. We get to like three, four, okay, five, okay, six, okay, yeah. seven. Yeah. Um, uh, she was just in the episode we were talking about from forever. Playing the assistant. Yeah, 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 uh, Hong, Hong Chao. So or I go no. from one to another. Uh, they owe this lady an apology for what they made her do in downsizing, okay? First off, <laughs> that was wrong of what y'all did in downsizing yeah. to her. She's got it. Yeah, she's one of my new favorite actresses. No, uh, also, got it. I don't know if you know, she's the voice of Pickles Aplenty on the new season of BoJack. Oh, I went so, straight to the IMDb and I said, what?! Bro, no, this is like, one, I still can't believe that she's the lady from Downsizing. Yeah. Then she's playing the secretary over here, completely different role, to what mm -hmm. I then see her over here in, in that episode of um, Forever. Forever. Yo, no, she's not, she's, she's not playing around. She's got, she's got a future on her, but did Absolutely. you see the after credits? Uh, I don't know if I did. I, so I'm still three episodes from the end. So... That said, like, I've listened to the podcast. Maybe I know where it's going, but... Oh, I don't know, because that's what, that's what I want to go. I want to go listen to the podcast specifically for this, because the thing that got me the most was the visual things. The playing of the aspect ratio. So did you get with the first one? Did you get the first one? Like, did, the timeline, you mean? The... Without support... The mommy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. So there's a second one where it's the reverse. Mm -hmm. It's how it gets there. I'm like, okay, that can't be in a podcast. But the other one was there's a visual thing that they show you. And I don't want to fully spoil it for you, but you've already seen it. It's a reoccurring thing. It's kind of like the Titanic Rising thing. Yeah, Remember yeah. when you hear it, and that's what I was getting at with Forever. 
Forever has those moments that, like, oh, man, these feel like kind of real characters. But it's still cartoony and obviously the aspect of it. In Homecoming, when they share a moment, like the Titanic thing, you're like, ah, oh, that's such a good tale within Friends. They they made this guy believe that uh, uh, Titanic had a sequel or something. And then you go back and there's that one moment when they, they go, what's <laughs> what's that? <laughs> but the final shot of Homecoming. You'll, you'll, you'll message me about it. You'll DM me about yeah. it. The final shed of Homecoming. I missed it. My mom's like, did you see that? I go back and I'm like... No, this is the final shot or the final shot in the after credits? No, the final shot. Okay. Not the after credits. The final shot hits you. It hits you. I, I want to know what to compare it to, but it this was like... No, and it's the slight, it's the smallest thing. And you go, ah, it's good. All right, all right. It makes you uh, want season two now. Yeah, we might have to do an after credits on this when I'm, I'm done with Homecoming. Cause it's good. Highly I'm recommend. I'm hearing a lot of people really into the show. So that's Amazon. my recommendation of the week. Don't forget to follow us on the Intercom Podcast. Amazon's not playing around. Amazon's not playing around. That made up my week. But what have you been watching, Zach? <laughs> uh, well, I've seen a few of those Amazon shows. I, I definitely highly recommend them all. Uh, particularly Mrs. Maisel, which we didn't mm-hmm. talk too much about. It's really good. Make sure you're caught up before season two comes back. Uh, for me, the main thing I've been watching was Boy Erased. Have you caught up with it yet? I caught Boy Erased. Oh, we caught it the same weekend. That's right, but I wasn't able yeah. to come back in time to record something for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we both saw Let's talk about it. Yeah, so Boy Erased is the new movie from Joel Edgerton who uh, it's his third film as a director. He made The Gift a couple years ago, which I think surprised a lot of people just how good it was as well. Uh, This is a much different story in tone. This is a very serious drama. It's uh, about a boy who is sent to a gay conversion therapy camp. Uh, Joel Edgerton plays the lead pastor or uh, psychologist, whatever his title is, at that camp. Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe are the boy's parents. Lucas Hedges plays the teenager who is sort of conflicted. He wants to be straight, but knows he has these feelings and is sort of trying to to buy into this uh, Christian conversion therapy. And it, I think there's a lot of things that the movie does really earnestly in a way that I can't really criticize it for. I think... You know, it's trying to approach. It's trying to approach this idea with a fair. It's trying to approach this idea even-handed. You know, it's not trying to dismiss the idea of conversion therapy outright. It's trying to take these people for their word that they're attempting to, and then I think uh, it kind of shows the damage that it does. Whereas I think another movie that we talked about earlier this year, Cameron Post, it's not so much about the damage it does. It's more about like the the people and their lives and how they're nuanced and just how... It, I think it's much better on the characters. I didn't really feel like there were characters in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to just leave it at that. <laughs> 100%. Lucas yeah. Hedges did really good in the 90s. But that's because he was playing Sid from Toy Story. I don't know what it is about Lucas Hedges. That that uh, that line towards the end where he goes, it's either me or God. <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know about you there. Uh, you're right. It does feel like 
Joe Edgerton, like, that's where I talk about intentions. Like, Joe Edgerton didn't make this movie of, like, I'm going to come off holier than thou than everything. I don't think that at all. But yeah. you're right. When it comes to, like, actually feeling for the characters, and I'm not saying this isn't going to connect to people at all. What I'm saying is, <laughs> yo, Cameron Post, though. Does it better? Cameron Post takes it in, like, that felt like it was just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that one was getting more. And the, the reason I'm happy Ben is back is coming out is because it gives us an incentive not really an incentive, but an opportunity to boost this movie because this is out on VOD. That just skid right. Th- this one Sundance. Yeah, yeah. It did not get the hype this summer that it deserved, but it's a really, really effective movie uh, with a similar plot. Desiree Arcavin uh, wrote and directed that one, and uh, Claude Grace Moretz in the starring role. We also really like Sasha Lane, who's in this movie. Like everyone in the movie. But yeah. I, it's good. It is good. I wasn't going in there to hate it or anything, but uh, I, maybe you like it more than I do, but I'm not the biggest Lucas Hedges fan. No, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure I'd go okay, good. I'd say it's okay. I mean, I think there's a lot of solid acting in it. I wouldn't be upset, just kind of bored, if it ended up in the discussion for some acting awards later in no, the year. No, no, See, I'm still upset he got nominated for supporting for, because I, I don't think he's a good actor, but I thought he was a bad actor in Manchester by the Sea. I disagree with you on that one. Bro, he talks like a time. Muppet. <laughs> he, the he freezer like scene mu- is all the freezer scene is all I will say. Trash. But I, I think that the thing with this movie is like it's just a, a lot less nuanced, a lot less inventive in its approach. It, it's much more of a character. It's much more of a drama, a family drama. Yep. Than. Uh, Cameron Post is, and I think because of that, it sacrifices some of its uh, some of Cameron Post's personality. Agreed. Now, maybe if you are or someone who hasn't seen this type of story before, oh, it'll uh, definitely the movie will work for you. But it's not exactly like a very new story to be told on film. There's been similar ones to it, and and I think there's better versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't seen Ben is back, have you? Everything you just said, if you would have seen Ben is Back, that's why I'm not that bad on Boy Erased. Right. But if you've seen Ben is Back, everything you just said about like it being like a family drama, sort of like, which is good, keep it intimate, but man, I cannot wait. But first of all, it's written by his dad or directed by his dad. Ben is Back, yeah. Yeah, which is so crazy because he was there at our screening and it took me a while to realize, oh, damn, you're his dad. Yeah, Hedges, he was, Hedges. He was talking about how he needed to, not audition, but find an opening to cast his own son. And when they were on set, the only rule that they had was he was, Luke could never call him dad. He had to call him uh, Mr. Hedge. I don't know what he called him. But uh, uh, okay. Courtney B. Vance is in the movie. And when he heard, found out that it was his dad, he was doing that. Courtney was like, no, you are not. And then uh, what's his name? The director would be like, no, 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 no. This is our agreement. Um Nah, I don't know. It's just, yeah. both of them are okay, but he, I feel the same way for Beautiful Boy. So as much as I want to say, yo, toss my boy Timothy, you know, swap him in there, pull a, um, what was that movie? Uh, Greta's movie? Uh, Fran- uh, Lady Bird? Pull a Lady Bird and swap out the actors midway through? Yeah. I don't even know if that'll say it, because even, even Beautiful Boy, I don't know, fell flat for me, so. Yeah, yeah, it seems like those movies kind of haven't necessarily been the uh, creative uh, 
haven't been creative successes in the way that a lot of people had hoped they would be. They've been more actor spotlights, and even as actor spotlights, they're not necessarily the the best, not necessarily the ones that are going to be dominating into just, award season. They just know they were bubbling, so it's like every rap artist where they're like, yo, uh, Quavo, uh, <laughs> Travis, just hop on there. It's not a good song, but you listen to it because it's got them in it. Right. I don't know. That's how I feel. We will move on, but let us know what you've been watching in the comments down below. We're going to get to the yay or nay, where we talk about the latest happenings in the entertainment news industry, starting with The Mandalorian is no longer the only Star Wars show in development at Disney+, Plus, the forthcoming Disney streaming network. Rogue One star Diego Luna is set to reprise his role as Cassian Andor mm. in a show that will begin filming next year. The show is being described as a spy thriller about daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. Art, yay or nay, two live-action Star Wars shows is enough to get you to sign up for Disney+. Plus. Uh, no, but running a channel called Let Me Explain This, because I know we've said this. Uh, we, we, had the, the, we, we, we said the joke about the, uh, all of these streaming services. We're going to need a cable subscription to bring it all right. back. So I'm going to be watching it because I know not everyone's going to get Disney+. Plus. I feel like a lot of people are going to get it because of Star Wars, but you're getting to a point you're going to have to sacrifice one over the other. Um, yeah. So, I, I'm yeah, I'm biased because I'm going to get it regardless of... Right, right. Being uh, in the business no, two, of yeah. talking about entertainment but kind two, of changes two our Star perspective Wars shows, on this. Two Star Wars shows is smart, though. That's going to get people to talk. Plus that animated one that they got coming out. It's smart. It's smart in, I think it will get people to be curious, at least, about the service. I feel it's a pointless story. I do story. wonder, you know, uh, we're making a big deal in entertainment news recently about the fact that uh, Disney's sort of pulling back on all of these Star Wars spinoffs and sequels. And it's sort of like a, a little bit of a red flag to me that they're like, all right, let's stop it with the new Star Wars, but hold on, here's a bunch of new Star Wars. Wait, so this is Diego before Rogue One? I guess so, yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert, because he died. Right? <laughs> so what's the point? Like, can you imagine Freddie Mercury's story before his big moment? I don't know. It sounds like it'd be kind of a bad movie, but I haven't seen it yet. So it's just Solo. With <laughs> <laughs> 10 episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Give me the Disney Channel original movies, and I'll gladly sign up. That's the song I need. I, I think they might be available. I'm hoping they better, they'll be they available. better be. Uh, do you have, with our limited information, that this is a show with Diego Luna and the other show is being helmed by Jon Favreau, do you have any preference between the two shows? Are you more excited about one or the other? Jon Favreau's because his at least sounds like it's going to be different. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. That's it. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, Netflix plans to unveil a variety of Christmas-themed movies as well as special one-off Christmas-themed episodes yes, of Netflix shows like The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, The Great British Breaking Show, Neo, Yokio, Fuller House, and Nailed It. Art, yay or nay, you like the idea of getting a Christmas-themed episode to help tide over the weight between new seasons of your favorite Netflix shows. 100%. Having more content in between uh, periods of time. Yeah. I've never understood when people, I, I get it in, in certain places, but whenever someone's willing to make an entirety of another product while you wait, mm -hmm. I don't see it as filler. This is a special, like that's literally the name of it. Extending a season when it doesn't need to be. 
yeah, that's another thing. But this is like these one-offs. I go back to one of my favorite ones, Black Mirrors. Right. They can be really good. I, Bojack Horseman's. Yeah, Bojack so, had a couple So the great fact that it's coming from a Christmas one, in fact, exactly. So the fact that it's coming from Netflix, who's already helmed some good ones. Yeah, I'm excited for it. That's super cool. Yeah, I mean, I think any way that Netflix continues to sort of bust open the model for distribution. I'm not saying this is like the most innovative thing in the world. Obviously, we've had like Doctor Who Christmas specials and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, we don't see it for a lot of TV shows, and I think getting these little like mini episodes or just little trips back into the universe that's of cool that show because it's it's great you know and it for the bojack ones in particular which aren't new i think it's kind of cool also because they're slightly in a different style than the bojack episodes yes. like uh you know yes. in the christmas one it's basically just todd and bojack watching an old horse and around and mm -hmm. commenting on it but it's still fun and it's still a chance to see these characters that we may love uh, in another capacity. I like when they're able to do things like that where it's a, a way of um, bringing in a new type of storytelling, testing out something that you wouldn't yeah. throughout the, the season. But I'm curious because, again, like with the thing like Netflix, or Halloween specials or, you right. know. I don't know, election specials or summer specials or any of that stuff, it opens it up because, I mean, I don't know if you're going to mention this in a bit, Outlaw King? Uh, I'm not, but we can talk about that. What is, I thought it was boring. <laughs> the opening <laughs> shot, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I don't even know what... Outlaw King was edited because it was on Netflix. So, in mm -hmm. other words, he's got this, like, three-hour movie that he released at TIFF. Which is really interesting when you think about it. Like, Netflix mm -hmm. really cha is changing the game in things that we don't even realize. It's not even test audiences anymore. The test audience was people who paid money, right? <laughs> yeah. Y'all know how expensive those TIFF tickets are, like 20, 25 bucks. Tested it in front of that audience, read the audience, and then was given the opportunity to go back and chop 22 minutes off because mm -hmm. it was on Netflix. And I started thinking, yeah, what has streaming services done for a bunch of artists? How many times does Kanye submit his super late? Because he's able to literally just drop the files. Sometimes mm -hmm. he messes up the track names. But <laughs> Netflix is that one where a show like Sabrina that I think uh, filmed back to back. Like as soon as they finished the first season, they went straight into filming season two. They already right. knew it was going to get greenlit. And that allows the opportunity to get some pieces to make a holiday special. Totally. To, to do other things. So it's like, it's like a big YouTube. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see some show that would experiment with, like, putting out one episode every month or something like that. I think it, we're in the age of streaming services, and we can get a little bit more experimental with the we ways are. in which pick we your, see these episodes. Pick your ending. Right, we're getting Choose Your Ending, hope, uh, apparently, with Netflix yep. at some point. Uh, I'll just be crossing my fingers for a Mrs. Maisel Hanukkah special this year. Fans of Breaking Bad last saw Jesse Pinkman speeding away from his hardships in the finale to the incredible AMC show, but the character is set to return in an upcoming feature film sequel to the series, with the show's creator Vince Gilligan set to write and executive produce the movie. It appears that Aaron Paul will be involved in the project as well, although Brian Cranston commented in an interview that he hasn't been sent a script, so art, yay or nay, you want to find out what happened to Jesse Pinkman after the events of Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, I'm not, I know a lot of people are like very iffy because Breaking Bad ended at a point where it was just like 
to some people, perfection. There's always the argument about The Wire versus Breaking Bad, and right. a lot of people are up on Breaking Bad. Um, it's very easy to compare it to, because it has an ending, to The Walking Dead and people going, ah, you see, that is the perfect, you know? It's one of those where it's like, it's a really good show, but the more that other shows mess up, the more this one gets highlighted, you know? It's that right. early death type of thing. It died a legend, or at least it wrapped up before it could become Left a villain. A corpse. Yes. Um, <laughs> That said, Better Call Saul <laughs> is a go. thing, right? So I, I've only seen the first season, but some people are talking about how, like, no, Better Call Saul has some, like, crazy directing and, and like, the, the storytelling and the pacing and that it's still mm-hmm. doing its thing. And if they're able to make that into a movie, sure, because it seems like AMC is just going to come out with a bunch of feature films, Walking Dead, that. <laughs> right. Um, that's really going to confuse people when <laughs> AMC theaters and AMC network aren't really the same thing. So now they're, uh, yeah, if, if it's got the same team behind it, they're, they're still making stuff like Better Call Saul. Why not? Right. Like Better Call Saul uh, actually has this weird thing where a little bit of the storyline actually takes place after the events of Breaking Bad. So really? they're clearly, yeah, they haven't really developed it as much, but the Cinnabon stuff is supposedly taking place after the events of Breaking Bad. So they're clearly thinking about what happened in the wake of those events. Uh, And if they were smart enough to develop a show that's as critically acclaimed and as beloved as Better Call Saul, granted Better Call Saul is nowhere near on the level uh, of love that Breaking Bad got, Mm -hmm. but it's not like it's some crappy show. It's not like some... It's really not. Some cheap, you know... Uh, knockoff or something. It's a really intelligent, smartly crafted show that, you know, happens to be about legal documents uh, instead of meth, so it's usually a little bit more boring. I I would be very happy to see more Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman. I think that was a great role for Aaron Paul. I think Vince Gilligan is a great writer, and if he thinks there's more to the material, then I'm going to trust him over my, like, vague idea for it. That being said, I, I do hope that if we see Brian Cranston, it's only in flashback capacity. I, I don't want it has to be there to be some. <laughs> I don't want there to be some like miracle. Like, oh no, he wasn't dead actually. Oh, oh no, wait, you already know this. Blue sky resurrects the dead. <laughs> oh, would you want to see a um, Mr. Robot movie? Because you know, like Sam's like Sam said from the beginning. I remember this. Before season one ended, he said, I'm only doing five. Like, oh, okay. I said, nah, I'm only doing five. Five's around the corner. He's like, I said, I'm only doing five. Yeah. Would you want to see a movie about that? Um, I think Sam's at the point where I would trust him if he wants to do that. So you're you more, if, if the person who's making it. Right. You know, pioneering it. I don't want to see some random person. Uh, I don't want to see Kurtzman and Orky or whatever their names are. Uh, do the Mr. Robot movie. If Sam Esmail is going to do the Mr. Robot movie, I can do a Mr. Robot movie. I agree. All right, so we're going to get to the rough cuts and do a couple quick hit news topics, starting with Will Ferrell getting serious in a new movie for Gus Van Sant in Amazon Studios. The Prince of Fashion is a drama adapted off of a 2016 GQ article about writer Michael Chabon taking his 13-year-old son to Men's Fashion Week in Paris. Art, yay or nay, you're interested in more dramatic roles from Will Ferrell. Sure. Uh, We had said about that one that he's going to do, the remake. Yeah, so he's going to be in Force Majeure, uh, although we don't know how dramatic that'll be, but... Mm -hmm. You know, he did do stuff like Everything Must Go and Stranger Than Fiction, which I like. 
Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always in favor of comedic actors showing their range. They I can. don't think he should abandon comedies, but uh, well, I don't think he's going to I don't, know, I don't know about that Watson and Holmes movie, <laughs> so maybe. But, I still say, man, and I know you love that movie, Punch Drunk Love. I don't think anyone's been able to hit it like that one has, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Netflix's planned theatrical rollout of Alfonso Cuaron's Roma hit another snag when Alamo Drafthouse announced they won't be screening the film. The theater chain and Netflix failed to come to terms, and so Roma has been denied access to one of only four New York City theaters capable of playing the movie in 70mm art. Yay or nay, Netflix is doing Cuaron dirty. Why? Uh, so apparently it was a disagreement over some of the like terms in terms of uh, how the money would be split. Netflix wanted to rent out the theaters, but Alamo Drafthouse wouldn't let them. Netflix wanted to uh, guarantee a four-week theatrical run in the 70-millimeter theater, and then uh, exclusively that was something Alamo Drafthouse wasn't willing to do. You ever get those comments back when you were doing multiplex or or when you were doing the the movie mob thing, or maybe even here on the intercut, where someone tells you what you're doing wrong, as a YouTuber, more often more often than I as a like YouTuber, to, yeah, uh, that your videos you should fix this with your videos, because uh, you don't know what you're talking about, and not that they need anything to to back it up, but if you're not gonna back it up with logic, having zero subscribers with no videos to show me that hey man I want to I want to I want to trust you you know what. Right. Yeah, I've seen your stuff. I'm going to take your advice. The Isn't there? What theaters is Netflix on? <laughs> what do yeah. they know about four weeks with 70 millimeter? It's, it, get, it, it's getting to them. Yeah. they. I don't know. It, I think if you think you're the big deal, it's a little weird to like suddenly put yourself in this position of like, trying to... It, you have to deal with the theaters and Netflix just isn't used to... Uh, used to going to other people's demands. They kind of just throw money at the problem and assume it'll be fixed. Netflix is in debt. That's why they don't want to release their stuff. Yeah. Netflix is little. I'm trying to think about how many Netflix users and the amount of money that they're spending, can it actually add up? I, re I don't know if it does. I think they're just pretending. Yeah, I mean, I think Netflix is banking on spending a lot less in the future, but they keep spending more. So Because we'll they're scared. See? They're yeah. losing movies. They're scared. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. When Kingsman 3 comes out on November 8th of next year, it won't feature the star of the first two films. Taron Egerton revealed to Yahoo that he won't be in the next Kingsman film, though he mentioned that it doesn't mean he'll never be in another Kingsman film again. Art, yay or nay, you're willing to watch more Kingsman without the boy Eggsy? No, I don't even want to watch Kingsman anymore. <laughs> That's just me, though. Yeah, I'm... I'm not super into those movies. I want to. I want to see Taron. Yeah, I, I'm cool with Taron. I, I want to see him move I, on, dude. Go, go do more stuff. Go do your weird experimental Elton John movies or whatever. Yeah, that go do Ro go do Robin Hood with Jamie Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not that. Uh, Venom opened in China to a massive 111 million, making it the second highest grossing opening for a superhero movie in China. Second. And the and the fifth largest opening weekend for an imported film there ever. Uh, perhaps some of that success can be owed to Venom's Chinese marketing no campaign, <laughs> which features Venom as an adorable boyfriend. Art, 
yay yay or nay, boyfriend Venom is the future of movie marketing. You know how that was the joke for us in America leading up to it? Yeah. You know, everyone was just like, knock, knock, let the devil in type of stuff. And they were like, ooh, Venom with the tongue and stuff like that. And, oh, he's such a romantic, like a turd in the wind. <laughs> Either someone over here pitched it to them and they said, yo, just do it. Just run with it. We've, we learned this is a meme movie, right. if anything else. Or they legit think uh, maybe that was. Maybe we weren't making up our own memes to it. That yeah. was the original plan all along. Yeah. I it's mean, a romantic look, comedy. I, the memes are a really powerful tool. I, I remember when Straight Out of Compton came out and everybody was posting those like straight out of whatever your hometown is things. It's such a simple little thing, but that's the kind of thing that everybody now knows Straight Out of Compton is coming. Let's get ready. Straight Out of Compton's coming. Right. And, and you know, that's just that's better cachet on the internet than a good, really good ad. A really good trailer is only going to get seen by people who want to watch trailers. Art's never going to see it. He doesn't watch trailers anymore. But if you have a really funny meme based on your movie before the movie comes out, it's unavoidable now for anybody who's on social media. And I think you can attribute some of Venom's success even to the way it kind of became a meme. Really? You know, I don't... It, I think there's a lot of people seeing it now kind of for the lulls. 100%. When I made my video, a lot of people said, Dog, this is too ridiculous. I got to go check this out for myself. Then right. they come back and go, yo, what the heck? <laughs> so, so yeah, if, if, if any word movies want to lean into their meme-ness or meme-worthiness, mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to be a smart financial decision. I don't know if it's going to be a smart creative decision, but at least a smart financial one. Oh, it's Venom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if someone memed Roma, they're sort right. of like, ah, you're all taking the creative. It's Venom. Yeah. <laughs> GIFs of uh, washing driveways. Yeah. Anyway, that's all for yay or nay. Let us know what you thought of this week's topics in the comments down below. We're going to move on to our topic of the week and this week's topic. Director Joe Russo revealed in an Instagram Q&A that the current cut of Avengers 4 sits at three hours long, 20 minutes longer than Infinity War's 160-minute runtime. This news comes on the heels of an Uprox article making its rounds on film Twitter called Attack of the Two-Hour and Twenty-Minute Movie, which criticizes movies like First Man, Bad Times at El Royale, and 22 July for feeling overstuffed and overlong. So, Art, let me ask you, can movies be too long? Yes. And, and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you were going to say? I know. I, I, we're, we solved it. We solved it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, shout out to Uproxx for the article. I agree with all three movies that they mentioned. I, I, yes. I think all three of them are overstuffed. And I like some of those movies that mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. But some of them do feel like they're trying to reach the two hour 30 for some reason. Like it's not, it's not YouTube watch time. You don't got to cross yeah. a certain threshold of it. Uh, usually it's been the opposite when it comes to movies uh, in theaters, because the more that you're able to get in in 90 minutes, that's you're saving up another time slot to, to let it get played. Another show time that can be available to make more money. Mm -hmm. That said, th th this question was recently posed on, would you rather have Avengers four be rated R or three hours long? Rated R makes no sense to me because it's Avengers. It's not like a Fox movie, a Fox Marvel movie. Right. But the three-hour one, I get excited when it's a movie I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. I want it to be three hours um, because these are characters who I love spending time with. Specifically, the Russo brothers. 
who know how to take care of these characters specifically for a movie that I want to play in Dolby IMAX. I want to order food. So yes, I want it to be three hours. When you go to a game, are you cool with it going to overtime? Right. Like if it's exciting, you want more excitement. So why would you not want that? Exactly. I don't want to cut out. I want the whole piece of it if it needs to be, I guess is the question. Because then we come to the others, these other ones where you're like, well, this is a brand new story. Let me see. Let me go. Let me go sit through this. And maybe it hits. Maybe it doesn't. Um, you'll get something like Justice League. Very similar to uh, the Russo Brothers, but it's not the Russo Brothers making that movie. Mm-hmm. So when that one comes out to being three hours long, I would love to have a three hour long DC movie. Not <laughs> Not that, Not that one. one. Uh, but when it but comes there to- are people who, for whom Justice League was great at that length, or maybe would have even been better at a different length. So, you know, is it or a different cut? Is yeah. it fair <laughs> to say, like, well, it's fine if the movie's good because. Oh, we're not. not, we're, we're, not we're, we're not arguing. Uh, should a movie? Can a movie be too long? It's. Can a movie be bad or good? You know, that then it comes from to like different perspectives. I think it right. always comes down to, and I think that's probably what the article said, but it knew it was baiting people into kind of putting everything in a blanket of everything yeah. is too long when it's really, it's really not. It, it comes down to it. I'm sure that person loves Goodfellas. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's outlined in the article is this idea of the like good but not great movie necessarily uh, getting this extended runtime. I, I think of a movie like, uh, Bad Times at Ed Royale in particular, which, you know, while it's a, pl- a fun movie, at its absolute best, the best version of that movie is kind of just going to be like a, a fun thriller. It's not going to be... TNT. Like a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you, you know? <laughs> so, so if your object is to be like engaging, kind of breezy entertainment, you should have an engaging, kind of breezy runtime. I think... And what- I think he that's wanted it to be more, kind of, though. I think that's where it is. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. But I think that's sort of where maybe sometimes we run into these issues with uh, these projects. I know for me, as less of a fan of the superhero genre than you and than many of the people we end up talking to here on YouTube and Intercut, uh, I, I see some of these two-hour-plus runtimes for Marvel movies or DC movies, and I... I just get like a sinking feeling in my chest of I, I got to set aside like four hours to uh-huh. go do this. Uh, that being said, you know, I thought Infinity War was great. Uh, so I'm not necessarily complaining about when the movie is actually good. Although I did necessarily, didn't necessarily think it needed to be 160 minutes long. It's another story. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I think a lot of times you have to really, you have to sometimes let the movies feeling dictate how long it is. Sometimes you you feel the movie's pace. Uh, There's that, critics say things like this all the time, but it's a three hour movie, but it felt like 90 minutes, or it's a 90 90 minute movie, but it felt like it was a day long, you know? Those things can be true when you're sitting there because pacing is so important to movies. Uh Or that critic has been in a film festival all day and they haven't eaten. <laughs> you ever see those? Yeah, hey, yeah, hey, that happens too. I, I, I didn't know you've seen them. Bro, oh, you go yeah. see them at Sundance all the time. This movie mm-hmm. was ridiculous and it was cold pacing. No, no, you were just cold. You forgot to wear your socks today, sir. You want to know what I think it comes down to? And you had mentioned it and we even talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast. The director themselves, and, and like you just said, does the movie warrant it? Right. We just talked about Outlaw King. And to him, that cut was great until he sat there and he realized, 
to me. <laughs> yeah. Not to an audience. And then what was his biggest thing in that IndieWire article? Killing your darlings. I don't know how many directors, when it's their own personal films, like Drew, was it Drew Goddard? Who, who did El Royale? Or what, who was? I think El, the, uh, yeah. Pretty sure. First Man? Uh, what was the third one that was mentioned? Uh, 22 July, the Paul Greengrass one. Who produces his own movies? We get to a point in where it's, that is, we, we argue about studios all the time. Cutting stuff for the sake of, you know, marketability. And you're right. right. A lot of these superhero movies, the, the Russos is a different case, but you're right. I see a bunch of other superhero movies and I just go, ah, shorting it to 90 minutes? The amount that you would make their box office is nothing compared to adding those extra scenes for more merchandise, <laughs> for more exposure for all that. So I get, I get why they put the extra scenes in there. I, I feel like the extra scenes or this extra length, it could maybe come down to a bit of almost too much creative control on behalf of these filmmakers. So that's and what I'm talking I'm about not, when it comes to these guys. Yeah, I'm not trying to criticize that. Like I do like filmmakers to be able to dictate what their movies end up like. But at the same time, I think some maybe sometimes creators, and I know I feel this with my stuff too, it can be really hard to kind of get out of your own head and you know you think this scene needs to be there because uh, it connects to that scene and it resolves and you realize that character. It doesn't. Yeah, not everybody's gonna feel that way. Not everybody's gonna get that. And, and I think sometimes we're going to, you know, these directors maybe need a little bit more outside voices to tell them, like, this just doesn't really feel necessary. Because yep. there's movies that just feel overly long for no particular reason. Uh, and there's movies that, you know, I mean, I, I know there's movies that I've watched the extended cuts for and I've I've loved some of the stuff that's been cut out. So it, it also it's makes me think if, like, if there's a world in which Netflix would be releasing, like, the two-hour cut and the three-hour cut How, at some time in the future. It should be possible. If you can pull up and change the language, you can pull up and change the um, subtitles and a bunch of the stuff in there. Why would you not be able to do that? Right. You know, they have different uh, Netflixes for different people. Um, I think of a movie like Searching, right? That movie legit changed every single time. I've already seen some of the stuff in Russian. Like, like they, ch they changed every single uh, article and stuff yeah. in there. So to have something like that, we are able to swap out. You just—it doesn't have to be two titles. Just have it right there. Blade Runner. Click it. Bloop. Remember when your DVD used to do that? Right. Theatrical right. or unrated, and then you just pick one and you watch it. But you're right. Um, I don't know if you've ever talked to producers who say this that some of the most annoying directors to work with are the ones who wrote the script. Right. <laughs> so it's like when they write the script, everything they wrote they think is important as opposed to being detached to it and someone else writing the script. I think that that's one of Fincher's biggest um, advantages. Mm -hmm. The fact that yeah, Fincher's he, always taking another piece of work. Comes he comes in knows. a lot and, and just completely alters someone's script or, you know, when you look at a movie like Social Network, I feel like that movie is just refined Aaron Sorkin because you get David Fincher just skimming off the top all the best parts of an Aaron Sorkin script and cutting the bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I love Steve Jobs. Yes. <laughs> that's what he did. Yes. That, that's what it looked like without David Fincher. And right. I like that movie, but yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Uh, I'm curious if you feel the difference between Movies and TV, because something that's always kind of yes. 
been mysterious more... to me is the way that people, and I include myself in this, are so much more willing to watch three hours of a television show than a three hour or even like a two and a half hour movie. I've said this to me multiple times. Yo, you guys want to watch this? Oh, no, that's like, bro, that's like, yo, that's like 110 minutes. All right, what do you want to do? They proceed to watch an entire season of The Office. I've never understood it. This happens in my house all the time. Like, when it comes to watching a two-hour movie or 10 episodes of a show, people will literally watch the entirety of the thing. I don't know if it's a psyche thing. If if Maybe it's because it's cut into chapters. So the fact that it's episodic, people feel like, oh, well, I'm just... Just another one. Just right. another one. As opposed to pausing in the middle of a movie is a little weird. Yeah, you, you get like a chance to get a break every half an hour or exactly. every hour. And I guess that psyche kind of helps people into thinking, oh, you see, there, there is something that I can do about it uh, and take checkpoints in a sense. It's like a video game. It's a little yeah. bit of checkpoints. But yeah, I, do, I always find that funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's something simpler. It's just that TV is much more efficiently paced. TV has to fit into a, a real structure. Kinda. Fine, like maybe not every single show. Like, yeah, The Walking Dead second season is has some of the worst pacing in all of it's entertainment. It's still going but, on. <laughs> but, you know, I think if you talk about a good TV show, a good episode of Breaking Bad is going to utilize every single minute of its 50-something minute t- uh, runtime. They, they're going to care about every act break. They're going to care about making you uh, follow from scene to scene. They don't have time for extraneous stuff. I feel like, you know, a movie, it's working on a longer timeline, so some of the questions are taking longer to resolve, and it's just not necessarily as immediately rewarding Mm -hmm. as TV can feel sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's like any better or worse it's just I, I like you said it's the the sh- maybe it's that it's shorter it Could makes be. it that much more digestible i know that like the romanoffs is the length of a feature film and yep. i'm taking my sweet time getting to episode three of that one see so that's like it's supposed to be like there's like five episodes out right for me there's 15 episodes out because each one i'm splitting into three it's but- tough man to, to, I'm not sure how much more we have to add to this because you know it's all about keeping it short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting that bringing up that debate between movies and TV. How the Walking Dead movie is going to feel as opposed to right. the show. How the Breaking Bad movie is going to feel as opposed to the show. Then we're going to be like, huh. Wow, mediums really are important. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we... we all the time we're talking about like, oh, this video game should become a movie or this TV show be- should become a movie or let's make a TV show of this movie. Oh, I really love and, this comic, not realizing that it works best in this format and not, yeah. yeah. And I'm very curious to see, like maybe The Walking Dead will be revived by a film format. Maybe Breaking Bad will look farcical in a movie format. Uh, it'll Same. be interesting questions for a later date. Hopefully you felt this conversation was exactly as long as it needed to be and not longer. Uh, We're going to move on to our final segment of the week, The New to See, where we break down what's new in theaters to streaming and on VOD starting with November 16th in theaters. Fantastic. Trash! (laughs) And the crimes of Johnny Depp, Instant Family, and Widows. Yes. Yes. Y'all already know uh, what it is. Y'all saw, y- did you catch Widows? Yeah, I caught Widows. 
I, <laughs> we'll good. talk about it more later. Didn't we not say we said the one thing on film Twitter where there will <laughs> Every, be peace. This is the movie that will unite this America finally. And then I remembered <sighs> Grindelwald. But maybe everyone will simultaneously hate it, so they'll just be like, oh, let's forget about that. Widows. Yeah. Um, also out in theaters this weekend in limited release, Heart Baby, Team Khan, Jonathan, The Last Race, At Eternity's Gate, and Green Book. Art, you caught Green Book. I did. It is the best movie of the year. Uh, <laughs> it's a good movie. It's fine. It's great. In one tip, <laughs> some people would say it's a bad thing. It's good. It's fine. They put it on the poster. It's it's a fun movie. <laughs> it's a fun movie. They it, put it on the poster. Lisa Cardinelli. That's all I'll say. <laughs> New to streaming on Netflix November 15th, May the Devil Take You and The Crew. On November 16th, Cam, Narcos Mexico, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, Finally. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, The Kaminsky Method, and The Princess Witch. Big week for Netflix. Uh, then on November 18th, the Pixar story. And on November 20th, Trevor Noah's new stand-up special, Son of Patricia. Speaking of Trevor Noah, have you caught uh, the guy was his correspondent? He has his uh, show. Hassan Minaj. Have you caught his stuff? How is no, it? but I've been hearing really oh, okay. good things. So hopefully we can uh, catch up on that and maybe talk about it a little bit on maybe. future shows. Let us know in the comments down below if you've seen any of the Patriot, Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. We'll wait. We're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Commented below. We, we won't continue. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, actually, i got to find my notes now. <laughs> on HBO Now on November 17th, Sesame Street's 49th season premiere. <laughs> what? As okay. well as Pacific Rim Uprising. Eh. Yeah, I, I didn't see it, and I don't really care to. It doesn't matter. Amazon, our, our new favorite streaming platform, Amazon. On November the 15th, best. the people's favorite, critics hate it, Gotti. Wow. Art's well, favorite movie of 2018 so far. Amazon subscription. <laughs> November 16th, Kung Fu Panda, The Positive Destiny Season 1A, as well as Coldplay, A Head Full of Dreams. November oh. 17th, were you going to say something? No, I thought that was... Because they made a big deal that was a one-night theater event coming to Amazon the next week. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, on November 17th, two films that came out earlier this year, McQueen and Siberia. Mm -hmm. Then on November 21st, Loving Pablo, the Escobar movie that premiered at last year's Venice Film Festival with Javier Bardem, Penelope Cruz, and Peter Sarsgaard. Hulu on November 16th, The Bisexual Season 1, this is a new show created by and starring Desiree Arcavin, our, uh, our in, the director of Miseducation of Cameron Post, who we like so much. Oh. Yeah. I heard about the show and was a little bit put off by the title. Mm -hmm. I feel like any time that you make your show like the demographic, it's potentially setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. But I really like Desiree Arcavin, so I'm going to have to check this one out. Hey, watch it be good, and then I guess the Dear White People effect. Where it's a good show. Exactly, right? And then you're like, oh, I don't know. It's like, bro, you know what you did. I I'm a fan of your show. You know what you did. <laughs> uh, November 16th, the Jet Li, or sorry, 18th, the Jet Li martial arts classic, Hero, 
It's actually one that I haven't seen, but I've been recommended it many it's a good times. Movie. November 21st, one of the worst movies I've seen all year, Damascus Cover, is available to stream for any Olivia Thirlby completists. Uh, then on new to VOD, November 16th, Speed Kills, The Long Dumb Road, The Farm, and Jonathan. I'm actually kind of curious about The Long Dumb Road. This Bro, is the one I, with yeah. uh, Tony Revioli. Rever I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Me. Uh, zero. Show. You. <laughs> and uh, Jason Manzukis. I missed it. I swapped out tickets. Actually, I didn't even swap them out. I lost 50 bucks that day at Sundance uh, <laughs> because I was able to go get tickets to go see Wildlife. I chose wildlife Ooh. over this, but I, I am curious about it. Uh, they were like the one people at Sundance who came in with t-shirt cannons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't imagine that's a very frequent uh, but, yeah. thing I, at it's Sundance. It's finally out. It's finally out. The movie I yeah. paid 50 bucks to see and didn't watch. Yeah. Then November 20th, some uh, very interesting films from earlier this year. We the Animals, Crazy Rich Asians, and Blind Spotting, a movie that Art and I liked Let's quite a bit. Go. They're all available on VOD. You're also a big fan of We the Animals. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I heard it as uh, American Animals. <laughs> no, yeah, which I you're I heard also it. a fan of, so uh, I don't know why you hesitated. I like American Animals, okay? Not as much as We the Animals. American Animals is a good movie. It's fine. We the animals though. That's that that one's a good one. That's the one uh for me of this year, the the one that gets I'm not gonna call it experimental, but that gets um what did I say? It was like the Moonlight Florida project. Uh yeah. Uh, uh, you of, said it's kind of like a mixture of the two. It's a mixture of the two in following uh from the child's perspective, in that sense. I think it's really good. I think the way that it's told, uh some may see it as pretentious. I don't at all. I love the Q and A with the guy. I, I always go back. I, I love quoting what he said. He says, uh Thank you for, for coming to this greeting. I hope you like it just a little bit because I put my heart and soul into it. I put yeah. all my heart and soul into it. So I liked it. It was good. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, those are the new to see, but it's time for our picks of the week. Art, what do you recommend? Yeah, if y'all don't go watch? home and watch Homecoming right now, I don't know what else to tell you. It's that good that I usually start with the theater pick. I'm starting with this. You got to watch Homecoming. Watch the entirety of the whole thing. It is 10 episodes long. Yeah. And they're half an 27 hour. Twenty-seven so. minutes, <laughs> and you and you want to know what's part of the twenty-seven minutes? The credits start. They don't cut to black. The credits just go. They just go over it. Yeah, my man's yeah. still packing his bag. The credits just go over it. Every single episode is like that. I gotta say, it's one of the most like aesthetically pleasing shows I've seen all year. There's just a style to it that's really cool, and like I, I think the energy of it is just. En enchanting or, or intoxicating. To, I don't know, man. To, to get into my pretentious bag of my <laughs> films in the file. Bro, that was that one shot where um, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, ben? Steven? No, 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 no. The, the investigator. Oh, uh, I, I forget the character. Wingham or something like that. I, th I want to say Sean. Wing I'm forgetting what the actor's name is, but you've seen yeah. him in a lot of things. Uh, yeah. The investigator, when he goes down the uh, hallway and the lights go on one. Yeah, one, that was one, so I'm dope. like, why is this just like it's just the <laughs> that's just like a, a little touch that it looks like a painting. Yeah, it, it's the kind of thing that a lot of shows would do that same scene and not do anything with it, mm -hmm. but they do whoa, that, whoa, and that just brings it whoa, to a whole other whoa. level. Do you remember the drone shots? Yeah, that's, yeah. Of no, course, this is man. this is this is a show to rewatch. This is like I've always talked about this. I get, I'm still in the bay. I'm still in the pretentious <laughs> area of like having a, a monitor 
like instead of a painting, a monitor that just plays a movie in your house on yes. silent. This would be one of those. You mean what I what I do a little bit off screen? Probably. <laughs> But whenever I'm talking, he just gets bored. He just watches that whatever punch drunk. Uh, right now, it is the Royal Tenenbaums. So. And then he goes, honey, wh- why is our light bill so high? <laughs> Where's all the data going? Uh, so anyways, yeah, I recommend Homecoming. And then if you're going out to theaters, Widows, because it's going to cure everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was going to be one of my picks for the week as well. Widows, it's okay. awesome. I, I think you are very on point in sort of saying like it's the movie that Ocean's Eight could have been. Uh, I think, oh yes, <laughs> you know it's got a really fun heist element to it, but there's a lot of really interesting things kind of happening like just below the surface of this movie that aren't really being aren't really being commented on by the movie. They just kind of exist within the movie. You saw Viola uh, Davis's thing. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we both saw that thing that was going around on Twitter that, that Viola Davis was talking about. But even beyond that, you know, there's just a lot, a, a lot of really interesting context. And it's one of those movies. I think a lot of times you can tell a filmmaker is particularly good at his job when characters who appear for just like one scene or one line feel like fully rounded people, mm-hmm. feel like people you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Steve McQueen is very good at that, at giving you just a little bit of personality and letting you know a lot about these characters. Really great performances, really fun too. Like you can't normally say that about a can Steve we, McQueen yo, movie. Can we say that? You've seen the trailers of this thing? Yeah. Right, like I try to avoid as many as possible, but this one kept, kept coming on. And after seeing the movie, I'm watching this trailer and I'm going, that's not the movie I saw. Yeah, I mean, they, right? they definitely make it seem to be like it's going to be this like dramatic, tragic kind of thing. Action and, thing. And, and, and no, and, and the thing is that it's not like just our perception of like, oh, well, we saw it more lighthearted. No, they literally have comedic lines from the movie rearranged to be dramatic stuff. Um, uh, get some guns. Where am I supposed to get some guns? Figure it out. That's not the line in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I keep hearing yeah. that. I'm like, all right. Yeah, y'all really twisted this. Because that one comes out very comedic. That was probably the biggest laugh at the theater. And uh, that's not how the, the, the trailer delivers it. But Yeah, it's not quite like Ocean's Ocean's quality silliness. Oh, no, 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 but no, no, it's no, definitely no. going for jokes. Ocean's didn't have that long take drive home. Yeah. Didn't I tell you about that shot? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing with Steve McQueen is... Every now and then he'll give you a shot like that. And you just watch you it realize, and, then you, and then you just like oof. slowly, slowly just pay more close attention to it. And you're like, okay, that was good. And then when it yeah. signifies. Right. It's actually a very, very smart shot in the movie. It, we can talk just, about it more later. We yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk, talk about, about it more. It. We'll talk about it more. Uh, my other recommendation, it's going to pop up on Netflix. It's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's a new Coen Brothers movie. I don't know why this isn't like a bigger deal on film Twitter, but uh, it's a Coen Brothers anthology, six stories that take place in the Old West with gunslingers and stuff. This is stuff they do really well. We've talked about uh, how True Grit is a great movie of Sounds theirs in the past on this show. Uh, and for me, this is just a really breezy, fun set of stories. There's a really great chapter in the middle featuring Tom Waits uh, panning for gold and talking to a pocket of gold in the dirt that he can't see. It just there's like some there's a way that the Coen brothers approach these characters where they're very relatable and they're very real, but they're also 
huge characters and very they have very silly mannerisms and they have weird accents sometimes but I, I really loved this film I loved the way that it goes from very slow to all of a sudden there's these big moments happening uh, so for me the Tom Waits chapter is probably my favorite chapter uh, there's a really the, the funniest is probably how it opens with Tim Blake Nelson I'm very curious to see what people think uh, about the ballad of Buster Scruggs so that'll be on Netflix on Friday, November 16th. But that's it for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter at ZShevich or on Instagram and Letterboxd also at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshowart. Where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I updated my Letterbox account. That is yeah. that is at the A to Z Show, but I switched it over to Let Me Explain. So that way, if you search me up, both pop up. I know some people search up Let Me Explain, and they go, oh, I guess he's not here. They don't know me. I, I still get asked for a face reveal every time, so I figured, why not? Right. Yeah, the amount of people that don't realize you have two YouTube channels is a little mm -hmm. crazy to Bro, me. Bro, the amount of times that the oh, A to Z Show gets, gets called out for just mimicking let me explain it's hilarious like bro you are such a poser and i go what can i say <laughs> um you're the worst twin I, you're terrible. always the worst twin but I, I signed up to to be a patron i ordered some merch from them as well i was just like you know what i i gotta walk the the talk of the walk of the talk yeah. of the, like, i can't just give 50 dollars to the jason miskoskis movie I, I gotta support real cinema over here so before they get sound clouded i was like you know what sure plus i also wanted to change my username and that's the only way to do it <laughs> Um, but I ordered some shirts, and uh, they, there were some really cool dope ones. They have a Be Kind Rewind. Yeah, um, I was going to get that one myself. Cool. So I ordered it, and it turns out they're not even printed yet. So I'll be <laughs> in New York by the time they come in. So that's super dope. Really Very excited cool. to see that. But, yeah, you can find me at the ADZ Show on Letterboxd. Now, like I said, I updated all 300 and something movies that I've watched so far this year. Um, but as always, you can catch me not in the short ones. Not in the super long ones, but just the right length of podcast right yeah, here. Perfect length podcast. You can listen to it every episode of it on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we deliver the latest in entertainment to you. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday, and please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review All on free. the podcast. All free. Has to be five stars, though, please. I don't really care. Just leave a comment. I don't really care. I'm going to be straight with you. Any publicity is good publicity for me. Yeah. We've had a lot of really great interactions on our Twitter, though. So keep oh. those coming. Uh, and great comments, too. So thank you all for We do read them, even if we don't respond to every single one. Uh, you can leave us comments and questions for future episodes that we Hey, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. For those of you for next week, to show you that we do pay attention, leave us a comment down below, and we'll answer all of them next week, either for Topic of the Week or right before Topic of the Week. Any question that you ask, we will answer it in great detail. There you go. That's an intercut promise to the inner cuties out there. No, the interviewers. Ah, very good, very good. Uh, also, like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter pages, all of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from art from me, from all our guests that appear here on Intercut. 
Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, Ebert said it best, no good movie is too long and no bad, no bad movie is short enough. That's true. I like that guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a pretty smart guy. He's going to go places.